1: Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Wow, you guys! It's episode one hundred and three of Please Advise, and our guest today is such a huge guest. She's someone that I've been so excited to have on this podcast for a really long time. It's Rachel Bloom, creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend slash Star slash Just like I mean, you have so much going on. I'm so proud of you. First of all, thank you. Like I don't remember. I unfortunately, I'm just so bad at like remembering meeting people and seeing things. But I know that I know that you know so many of my friends, including Jackie Johnson, and then. Um, I also stopped watching award shows a while ago because they make me I cry too much during them. Like I just have access too many emotions. Oh. I'm so proud of seeing people achieve things that it's like really. And so what you're one of you, the only Golden Globe speeches I watched this year was yours because it was just so. It, first of all, everyone was talking about it, but it was just so honest and cute and real and like honestly, I think what most people imagine their their reaction would be in a situation like that. Like <laughs> yeah. most people are just so and they're cool and they had their like little speech prepared but like you were having the genuine freak out that I think most people would have Yeah, when winning a gold. it was a very real reaction and yeah. a really beautiful speech because of that so um and you talked a little bit in the um speech about how you got the show made which is so interesting to me were you doing you said you were doing videos and a producer saw them and got together with you and was like let's make this into a show
2: yeah That's i've been yeah the dream. I, internet i've been doing internet videos for a while it, to varying kind of degrees of success and I was a working TV writer and this woman, Aline Rosh McKenna, who wrote The Devil Wears Prada and all of these amazing movies saw my videos and I get an email saying uh, she wanted to meet with me and CBS to discuss like a musical TV show. Mm-hmm. And I like knew it was a big deal. But I kind of blocked out how much of a big deal it was because I was like so nervous.
1: Yeah, and you powered through, and you have a fabulous show that's filming its second season now, Christine. I've seen about half of the first season. I'm so bad at watching TV, Christine. It's an hour. It's
2: an look. Each episode is an hour, 42 minutes, and it's 18 episodes. It's a lot to get through. It, I'm still only I'm on episode like only on episode four of Orange is the New Black. So okay, yeah. of, of this new season.
1: Yeah, it's it's um I need to be better about watching TV. It's just that The Bachelor already takes about seven hours a week of my time.
2: <laughs> I hear <laughs> that it's a very. I've never actually watched that show. It
1: is like a marathon for sure. Every episode is two hours, and there's sometimes two a week, so it's four oh hours God. of television bare minimum. <laughs> because I don't
0: watch The Bachelor, I have time to watch. Stuff.
1: <laughs> there <laughs> no. we go. No. I'm, as, I'm so awful. Like as a writer, I'm like I totally only watch reality. Well, TV. It
2: makes sense because you're trying to like check that out. It, yeah. There is something to like. Just I think that's why I. Like like watching top chef is because mm-hmm. it's it's nothing to do with my with what i do and it helps me i'm just out. mad that i can't taste the food that they're that's making. my oh. thing too i
1: get so mad because i'm like how do i know what your taste is how do i know if i i'm if like that, that, that judge looks is good real, that's yeah. why
2: i like eating while watching it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes anything i'm eating taste better unless someone cuts their hand then it's
1: gonna is mm. yeah. that More delicious that's
3: happened yeah, before a couple
0: times
1: yeah what's chopped about isn't
0: so you get a basket of items, and usually it's, like, beef tongue and, like, yogurt. Yog- it's, like, weird items okay. that you have to make a course out of. So they do three rounds. It's, like, an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert. And so you get these weird items, and you try to make a
1: dish out of them. That sounds like way it's too actually, much It's actually – I
0: really love chopped. It's you so do? Cre- Yeah. Do you do
2: chopped?
1: No, no. I don't. It's Sorry, good. I had a
2: burp just then. Okay. <laughs> so I was about to burp and be like, no. And then I just breathed burp. I burp. I burp mic. on
1: this podcast all the time. Oh, that's it's good. Totally okay, fine. you're totally, right. you're in good company. Thank you. Because I'm drinking this delicious seltzer. Mm. um isn't it good mm. the blackberry cucumber i like ah. went to two stores and couldn't find it and then i had a panic attack where i was like i'm never going to be able to get it again like a legit
2: I, panic attack or it, or, a fig- just, or a figurative
1: figurative okay. but like also sometimes just like my anxiety surrounding a situation will sometimes bring something on like that and some a big thing for me i think is i grew up and like i grew up poor kind of i'm not poor i grew up with a single mom I just am worried that things are going to go away and I'm never going to have them again. Sure. So then I'm like, oh shit! I have to order ten cases. So I ordered ten cases of this of something called Jet. dot com, and I found out that Walmart bought it for like three billion this week. Not oh. crazy. Jet.com, not the oh, seltzer. I was going to say they brought. Now, do you say LaCroix or Lacroix? Um, I say LaCroix when I'm feeling fancy. Okay. Um, i I started that when I was at Two Broke Girls because one of the other writers called it LaCroix, but I think it's Lacroix. Yeah. I mean, they call it LaCroix. They call
2: it LaCroix? Yeah. The company
1: does. And they have, like, slogans that rhyme with Croy. So I'm like, oh, okay. That is emphasis. Oh, boy,
2: LaCroix. Yeah, something Something like like that.
1: that. And I'm like, okay, well, then it wouldn't be, oh, boy, LaCroix. So, I mean, if it is, someone needs to get fired. So, um, yeah. But wait, what shows were you working on before you had your own show? Mm.
2: I worked on Robot Chicken for two, three years and then a couple of smaller projects with the same producers of Robot Chicken, Stupid Buddy Studios that makes Robot.
1: Is that Seth Meyers? Seth Green. Seth Green. Who's, oh, I'm like, who's Seth Meyers? Seth Meyers, Meyers yeah. hosts the show. Yes, yes, yes. Okay.
2: Um, but Seth, they're all wonderful. My first job was this animated show called Alan Gregory. It was a short-lived animation. Of course, yeah. Fox. Um, I wrote for like the People's Choice Awards, the MTV Movie Awards. Um, but Robot Chicken and stuff around Robot took up a lot of time. It's hard to get staffed as a TV writer, man. Like, I had a lot of stuff where I came close to getting staffed on network stuff after Alan Gregory, and it just, it's really hard. And then I was developing. Yeah. So I had, like, a show with adult, I had a show I pitched to Adult Swim that didn't get bought. I had a show that I was pitching to networks that didn't get bought. And so, you know. Yeah. So much of development never sees the light of day.
1: It seems... I know. That's what I'm... I just... I'm just, like, waiting to find out whether or not the pilot I did with my friend is going to get made. And I'm... I was... I didn't sleep for three weeks while I was waiting to find out if they were going to buy the pilot. Like, I didn't... I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Um, But now, for some reason, I'm kind of zen about it because it's so out of my hands at this point. It's
2: completely out of your hands and you have no idea when they're going to make the decision. There's no... Like, the only time... That waiting with anticipation is paid off for me were the Golden Globes just because there was a finite time that I was going to find out. Mm -hmm. And I only really started worrying a day before. Okay, But like the Emmy stress was insane.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine. Do you like? Do you always have like a team, like a publicist and a team around you, or do you bring people in just for events like that? Because I know some people that bring in extra people for events like that. Like, yeah, what's the?
2: I have a team at this point because I've been doing so many events. So yeah, it sounds crazy, but like I have a stylist and I have a publicist or two publicists, but they're with the same company. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. did a video poking fun
0: about that, about how it like takes a whole team for someone to look red carpet ready.
2: I'm, yes, yes. I'm sorry. With Adam, with Adam Conover. I did the show Adam Ruins Everything. And it's an episode kind of deconstructing Hollywood. And it was an episode that I suggested to him, actually. <laughs> not to brag. And yeah, just kind of going through what it takes to look red carpet ready. And, yeah. And how it's all just, it's all an illusion.
1: I'm so, I feel like I could spend three days like having a team of 10 people like scrub me down and I still would not look like ready to go to an award show. It's so
2: funny you say that because you're beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you. I feel, I feel like, are, so are you one of those
2: girls who, like, you don't know you're beautiful? I prob- that's what makes I honestly, you beautiful? I probably don't.
1: No, I know I don't. I definitely know I don't. I for think the, that myself is a very gross For the person listening,
2: person. she has, I would say, shoulder-length blonde hair. Thank
1: you. I worked so hard for that. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, very well manicured eyebrows.
1: Thank you. I just did them yesterday. And just a, a, a set of nice lips. Oh, thank you. You you have a great face. Thank you. I hope. Thank you. I uh, I feel, you know, I don't know. I've just turned 30 like two years ago, which I love. Like, uh-huh. it's so good. I love being in my 30s because my 20s were like a long, disgusting disaster that I like I can't even believe I lived through them. Like, I just feel so embarrassed to have been alive throughout my 20s. just like <laughs> very like... I just, you can't undo them. You can't undo anything you've ever done. And, like, also, I don't, I was thinking I was like, I was just learning so much about myself. So I feel like I've hit my 30s, which is great. But with that, I've just stopped, like, I've stopped going out. Like, I don't really take care mm-hmm. of myself the same way. So I kind of think of myself as old and frumpy. And then I was saying to my last guest who was just here, like, when I go out with a 24 year old, no one hits on me. And that has really started to fuck with my head.
2: When you, oh, like, go out and hang out with a 24 year old.
1: Yeah. Like, if I have, like, one of my girlfriends who's younger than me. Sure. And I go out with her. Like, I notice I'm like, oh, all these guys are talking to her. And like, I think that's because I look old. That's like what my that's That's, what my mental trajectory has been.
2: Are you sure they're not just talking to her to like get in with you?
1: I probably just need to smile more. I've been told I feel I'm unapproachable.
2: (laughs) I have mixed feelings about that because I don't think that women should be told to smile. I know. But at the same time, in a courtship scenario,
1: you should be smiling. You want
2: to be it's different than like getting called you know, cat called on the street. It's hard. See, here's the thing. I don't, I've been in a relationship for eight years. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, there, the age stuff kind of blends into each other because I've been with the same person. Yes. So like, I haven't, com- I haven't compared getting hit on in my early twenties versus now versus like soon to be 30, like stuff like that. So yeah. I think I've gotten off easy.
1: Yeah. Wait, how did you guys meet? You've been together for eight years. That's awesome. We were, we've were we been friends for 10 years.
2: Uh, we met... He was one of the founders of the sketch comedy group in college that I became director of.
1: Oh, okay. So he was
2: actually at my audition... For the sketch comedy. I group. love that. Wait, yeah. where did you go to
1: school? NYU. Oh, okay, awesome. I I did uh, sketch in college too, and it like where'd changed my life. I went to Boston College. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, it's really cool because it's it's so funny. Like, do you know Cameron Esposito, for example? I I do. Yeah, she was in like one of the improv groups, and I remember seeing Cameron like one of my first weeks of school do an improv show, and I just was like, that girl should be famous. Yeah, like, she's really good. Yeah. Um, and it's so trippy to see that, like, especially coming out of BC, like. Small conservative Catholic school, definitely a liberal arts school, but you know, definitely very conservative. Like it wasn't okay to be other there at all. Like you had to be like a white preppy girl or a white preppy guy, and anything in between that was like, oh, interesting. Uh-huh. So um it's weird to think that A, we even we even had a comedy scene, and that B, like multiple people from that comedy scene are working. But it's like it's, So it's
2: Karen Esposito. Who else?
1: Who else was in that world? Well, I mean, Amy Poehler was like the most famous oh, comedy sure. alum who went to BC. She was in fleabag. Um, uh, I live out here and I'm working. My friend Kevin Alaka is like, um, really high up at Google and like their arts department. My friend Tom, um, does stuff for MTV. I mean, I he like. But like, you know, at the same time, like I think I thought all of us were gonna be famous. Sure. Like, or something. Sure. Like it's so funny too. When I watch back on my like all my college sketch groups, like I was so serious about I took it way too seriously. Oh my god, I, I
2: wanna write a um they kind of just did this a little with don't think twice, but for the longest time I've wanted to write a drama about just being in a college sketch group. It's so dramatic. And I and and I out of it's this group at NYU called Hammercats I Come From. A lot of successful people have come from mm-hmm. it. Partially, I think, because you take it deadly seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, writing a new sketch – we wrote a new sketch show every month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for four years, I was writing two new sketches every week. Yes. And – It kicks your ass.
1: Yeah. I didn't do school. I just did. Like, I don't know how I graduated. Up until recently, I actually had a a slight theory going that I maybe didn't even graduate. Like, I know I went to graduation, but I just don't remember if I graduated or not. I thought, like, maybe I just picked up a diploma and somehow I didn't actually graduate. Um, But I never went to class. I never studied. never did anything. But I was writing, like, four sketches a week. That was, like, my life. sure. Sure. And to me, that was just as good as any other education I could have gotten there. Because I, it helped me yeah. find what I want to do, you yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. for sure. But what, were you a theater major at NYU? I was. Okay. I did musical theater
2: and then experimental theater.
1: Would you recommend that to most people, like going through a theater department sort of thing? Or would, do you think that for the most part, it can be self-taught as well it or just intuitive?
2: Depends. I mean, the question of like, do you need college, I think is a really interesting. Right. Because like... I don't know. Everything I'm doing now with the show is so inclusive to everything I did. Like, I'm using my vocal technique. I'm using, I mean, we had an episode where my character was doing contact improv, which is this experimental theater thing. So Mm -hmm. I've gotten to use everything that I kind of learned. Mm -hmm. Not saying that I took full advantage of my college experience. I mean, definitely I was lazy for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, Definitely some money wasted (laughs) in the way I approached it. Um, I just it just depends on the person. I mean, you have to really – theater is interesting in that you get to know yourself. You really get to know your body. You get to know how you how you think and how you work. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Like when you're 18, 19, 20, you're in such a state of exploration still. Part of me is like, why not? Yeah. And then if you decide I don't want to do this, then you can learn – math (laughs) yeah that
1: incubation period of college was I think really important for me like in that I needed a transition from high school to the rest of the world like I wouldn't have been able to I have some friends that just moved right out here at age 18 or whatever they went to Toronto and did second city and then I can't imagine being 18 years old and like going to comedy school as my college I really needed that time of just like four years at a beautiful campus in Boston and like you know just like going to class and learning stuff but also partying learning like a lot of the social stuff. I definitely see that with some people I meet. I'm like what is different about them? What's like the weird social thing that's missing with them and I realize, oh maybe they didn't have they didn't go to college, like they didn't have that weird 4 years mm. of being locked in a small room with people and being forced to make it work. That really was a good experience for me.
2: Interesting. I know a lot of people who didn't go to college who are so smart and socially well adjusted and wonderful. So, exactly. But I don't but I don't know. I think it just it depends on the type of person you are. I think that's I was gonna sp- say I was gonna say something really smart and then I Oh, I think freshman year of college should be half price. And I think it should okay. have <laughs> half the classes. I think that you should go to the dorm, you have class once or twice a week. And then the rest of it is just getting to know your surroundings. I also wish that someone had maybe take a year off between high school and college. Yeah. I wish that we had had mandatory Peace Corps, a mandatory military, something like that. Because you're just so – you're so exhausted from high school. You just need some time off. And I think that I didn't do that because it – wouldn't have occurred to me like City well, year
1: is a big thing in Boston. Like, you go do city year, which is like basically just like social justice shit, like getting your going out in the street and like helping families and helping people. That's a, ga- awesome. a gap year, like Malia Obama's doing, which is genius. I she love that Malia is doing, oh, doing a gap I think that's year. That's so great. I know. It's so chic. It's so, so and then chic. And she's going to Harvard? Yeah. Of course, um, of course. Um, but it's also true. A lot of the people I hear who say don't go to college. I'm like, well, you went to Harvard, so you get to say that. Like, you get to say that because you went to the best school, hundred percent. And you know,
2: and, and I say that is like, I went to NYU. It was a really good school. Yeah. So I don't. It just depends what
1: you want to do. Absolutely. Um. And also, I think that if you're if you're not going to go to school, that's self educator. The smartest guy I ever dated was like a guy that I dated right when I got to LA, and he. Was completely self taught. Like he quit high school. He never went to college, and he was one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, I don't care if like I have kids or if I have friends or whatever. Someday that like they don't go to college, I don't care because as if, as long as they're a self educator. But it yeah. really bums me out when someone doesn't go to school and then like proceeds to never pick up a book again in their life. That
2: is that is fair. I mean, I did learn a lot. I read a lot of books in college. I don't know if I would have ever wise learned. Mm -hmm. Even know what they were. I mean, I took a whole like Freudian analysis class
1: exactly that's the shit that i always think back on college and i'm like those were the best classes i took that and like sociology courses were the best i took one called marriage and family that was unreal it was awesome yeah and i took another one that's like sociology of work and the workplace and that was like a really there's a really good book called gig for anyone out there and like that was like our class main text and in the book they have people from over, like, 300 different professions being interviewed in full about what their job is like and what they do. Everything from, like, CEOs to, like, actors to people who work really like, blue-collar jobs, like, farmers. It was just, like, so... It was such an interesting book and just, like, hearing about how all these different people approach, like, one thing in life that's just necessary, which is work. Um, it was really cool. So, anyone out there, if you want a book. Um, Rachel, did you bring three reasons why you're qualified to give advice on today's show? Yeah. I guess I'd
2: say... I have a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in a pretty solid relationship for eight years. Awesome. Um, and I I follow cooking instructions pretty
1: well. That's great. Actually, the, the third one's really good. I have great. like some blue apron meals downstairs, and mm. I'm really nervous about it because they require me to really pay attention. Yeah,
2: you just gotta. But like, it's it's just like do exactly what it says, and you're fine.
1: That's great. Wait, so you've been married for eight years, you said? No, no, I've been married for a year and a half. We've been together eight years. Okay. Um, And during that time, was there ever a time that you were like, oh, shit, we're going to, this is going to go south? Or were you like, what has it been on the up and up ever since?
2: I just, it's been easy. I got to say, I just lucked out. I found the dude early. Like, I mean, the one time was when we were long distance, Mm -hmm. but that was more like, are we like, what's going to happen when we're long distance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, there was never a point where there were like interpersonal things.
1: That's so awesome. Cause I feel like I have always thought like, sometimes I'll be in a slightly shitty relationship and I'll be like, we're probably still getting married. Cause people say marriage is a lot of work and it's really hard. Like I, yeah, you know, but it shouldn't be that hard. It sounds like everyone I know who's happy in their marriage. It was like easy. I
2: gotta say like, you hear like, Oh, couples scream at each other and you're going to feel real contempt when you're married. And, I mean, look, we're only eight years in. I don't know what I'll say when we're 50 years married, but, like, we don't really fight. Mm-hmm. We're pretty much on the same page. We're pretty easygoing with each other. I'm the sloppy one. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that girl thing of being like, you laugh the time. Like, yeah, no. I'm disgusting, and yeah. he has a high tolerance for my disgustingness. That's great. And he's just wonderful.
1: That's awesome.
2: It's So it's that's the thing is, like, that's why I, I find that people who like to give relationship advice to other people... They do it because they're insecure in their own relationship.
1: Totally. And
2: they're like, well, let me give
1: you advice. Mm-hmm. I don't
2: try to give people advice about relationships because I think everyone's different and I lucked out.
1: Yeah. That's true too. To recognize when you had like a very good situation come your way to be like, well, this isn't how could I give advice on everyone when I have a really ideal situation? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, girl. Speaking of, let's probably take some romantic advice questions. Let's do our calls. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens.
4: What up, Molls? It's your girl, Miss Memphis. You have given me some amazing advice before. And um, via Snapchat, I asked, I put on my story, what documentary should I watch? And you said the Tony Robbins documentary watched it, and now I have like an obsession with him, kind of think he's sexy, also ordered his book, because I was super inspired, anyways, my question is, getting back to everything, is, okay, so I live in the South, I'm from the South, and that's part of it, but all my friends are married, they're getting married, I'm 25, and I have a career that I love, and I'm looking to grow in this career and I think I will grow in this career. I'm working really hard and I have, you know, it's, I just love it. And I'm looking to eventually move to a bigger office out West in Colorado. So right now dating and meeting dudes is not a number one priority, but I'm I'm doing it. Like I'm dating, I'm, you know, but it's just not, it's on the back burner, I guess. But everyone makes me feel so guilty about the fact that, like, I'm not trying to meet my husband. And I understand, like, in other cities, other parts of the country, it's a lot more normal to be 25 and not focus on dating, which in my mind is how you should be anywhere. But, like, what would your advice be to, if you're a girl living in the South who is career-minded, who is not... Looking to get married right now, but wants to date, like, how do you purchase a situation? Like, how do you, like, first off, fend off your friends and be like, yo, this is like, my career is my number one, and like, I don't want to be in the South for forever. And two, like, how do you focus on, like, should I just not date right now and wait until I get to, like, Colorado where I want to actually end up being? Like, what should my dating situation be right now? Like, I'm just, I just don't under, like, I just don't know if I should just not date at all and just completely focus on my career my mom said right now just like date for fun whatever like see what happens but career is number one is that what I should do or should I just because guys here look at to hold out as well so I'm just like kind of in a weird place of like should I just not date or should I just date for fun I don't know it's just like a weird situation like how do you fin this off like I don't know
1: I don't know. Please advise. Okay, go
3: for it.
2: Miss Memphis, I'm going to tell you something a teacher in college told me. Seek the joy. Life, we only get one, depending on what you believe. But we only get one. Seek the joy. Seek your own personal happiness. Um, It is true that in other parts of the country, I'm biased because I've only lived in L.A. and New York. Mm -hmm. um, It is... Weird to be married and be twenty five. Like when you're like I'm twenty five and getting married, someone will be like, "Are you sure about that?" Yeah. <laughs> and like, as someone who was in a long term relationship for quite a long time, I was in a very very small minority. And the I would say most people who get married in LA are in their, I mean, late twenties, early thirties, sometimes mid thirties, late thirties. But like it, it just doesn't it it. It doesn't matter out here. And you want to move to Colorado. It's very similar in Colorado. Um, And it sounds... Just keep your eyes on the prize. You're doing everything right. Seek your own personal happiness. If you want to date, date. And if the guy sucks, stop dating him.
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, you don't really... It sounds like you are worried about what to do with dating when in reality you just don't have to really think about it. You have your eye on the prize of moving to Colorado for sure. I was always very bad at, like, dating for fun. Like, I was very Uh bad at, like going out and, like, meeting a guy and being like, there's no feelings here. Like, I was always just like, if I like this guy, like, if I liked a guy, I was, like, obsessed with him, especially at this age in my life. Like, I couldn't just be like, I'm just going to go on, like, three casual dates with you, and if I never see you again, no big deal. Like, if I got to three dates with someone, it meant that I really, really liked them. So I um, I don't know if, you, if you're a person who can date for fun. I think you should do that. Why not? Um, I also have a lot of friends that, Like, I have friends at home who will, like, text me and be like, I'm really worried about you. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, you're out in L.A. Like, you know, like, no one cares about you there. Like, your family's all back here. Like, your friends are all back here. And I'm like, yeah, but you have two kids with a guy you hate. Like, I'm – you know what I mean? I could say the same thing to you. Um, And I I think that it's people just are – I think that people – in an effort to care about you sometimes make you feel shit you shouldn't feel, unfortunately. And that's why,
2: I mean, I I also wrote down, get new friends. Mm -hmm. If all your friends are talking about is why are you not looking for a husband, there are plenty of people where you are who are like-minded like you, Mm -hmm. who have their eyes on bigger goals, and you can find them, I don't know, through something, right? Meetups, fun, maybe go to like a Scrabble bar. Mm -hmm. Just like smart... Smart, Bar trivia. Cool. what Bar, Bar trivia, because I don't know if Scrabble bars even exist. <laughs> but like, you know, seek out other like-minded people. Absolutely. Like having friends who are similar, having friends who make you
1: better and make you feel good about yourself is just as important as finding the one who does that. That's absolutely true. That's really, really true. And also at 25, sometimes you're still dragging in people from other stages of your life, like high school or college, that are no longer compatible with you hmm. And so really look at that, too. I find that sometimes the people who are giving you advice are not people that you'd want to listen to or be like anyway. Um. So, yeah, I just think that you should have fun. I don't think you should stress too much about this. I feel uh like I feel badly that you have all this cool stuff going on and something so um not silly, but I guess something so um objectively desirable is but like weighing you down, like finding someone when you have all this great stuff going on in your life. Why, why should you worry about finding someone right now? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. It sounds like you have everything going on in your life. That's great. Um, and if you're horny,
2: get a good vibrator. True. Like, there are some really good vibrators out true. there. And you... And honestly, like, just, just go... If you don't have a vibrator, just go to a sex shop and, like, try different vibrators and just figure out what works for you and just, like, kick back with some erotic literature or a porno and that's a Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, yes. I'm i married
1: and I do that. I was so bad at dating, like, for funsies in my 20s. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. i so bad at it. And I hated when I dated guys that were like, I just want to have fun, okay? And I'd be like, yeah, because I'm here to have a really bad time. Like, what is the, mm-hmm. like, what's the... I, I, Girl, just do you. I'm so excited you're going to Colorado. By the way, how exciting is that? And your
2: career sounds so awesome. And that's your husband right now, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It should be, by the way, because ugh, God forbid, like you married some. All it, my biggest fear in life is marrying the wrong person, or like, and my biggest thing I'm thankful for is not having married any of the people I've dated so far. I'm so. So uh, glad that I'm single and I spent so much time working on myself. Not that I'm saying like I have my shit together. I still have a lot of shit to work on, but I'm so glad I'm not married to a loser who has half of my money and like most of my soul. Like that would kill me. Um, and so. I don't,
2: I I think that's a great way to say that. I'm also I don't even know you, and I'm 82% sure that you're gonna move to Colorado. And meet somebody in your industry Absolutely. who is on your level and that's the person.
1: Do you think she's in software sales like Ben from The Bachelor? He lives in Denver. I have no idea. I was
2: trying to figure well, out she's what moving she's moving to saying. Colorado. I wonder if she works in oh, weed. Go enjoy legal weed? legal weed. That's what you should oh, do. Oh,
1: yeah. I wonder what she's in. I'm going to say software sales because it's the only thing I know anyone in Colorado does. I'm going
2: to say she's into either weed or solar power.
1: That would be good. Oh, solar power. Mm. I heard that's a ripoff.
2: I don't. Well, I'm biased. My husband's sister used to work in it. Oh, I think so it's good. Funny. I don't care. Oh, okay. She works in weed now. Oh, she does? That's <laughs> yeah. Maybe is. that's
1: why I said that. That's yeah. so, so funny. Yeah. Okay, well, let's take our next call, Miss Memphis. I'm so happy for you, though. You're awesome. Thank you for calling, and um, you're so sweet. Thanks so much.
3: Hey, malls and friends. I'm having a slight custody issue with my dog. Um, I need a little bit of advice. So I dated my ex for, I would say, we did for three years. Um, during that time, I was lonely, desolate, needed something else. And so I begged him for a pet. Started wanting a cat. and it, Anyways, ended up getting a dog. I found the dog. I begged him for a dog. And we got a dog. Loved him. Both of us loved him. Like, just... Loved him more than anything. Um, We ended up breaking up, of course, because dogs can't save relationships. Um, We ended up breaking up, I don't know. We had the dog, I'd say, for... We had him for a year. A year of his life. He was a rescue dog. We had him for a year. We broke up, so... um, That was that. And now, unfortunately, we share custody of the dog. We live in what I would consider a... A big small town, so it's I, the dog primarily stays with me. He is the love of my life. I would die without him literally, like, I would probably jump off a cliff and commit suicide if I did not have my dog with me. Um, unfortunately, my ex he owns a small business downtown and he takes the dog, it's convenient for him to swing by, grab the dog, take him to work. And then swing by and drop him off every day after work. I am sick. Of, I'm sick of this arrangement. Unfortunately, we were together for three years, and I'm um, ready to move on. Um, I don't know. He, I'm 33. He is. He just turned 40. He is a drunk. Unfortunately, likes to party and drink a lot of alcohol. Um, I don't want to grow up and have kids or anything like that. But like, I just want to not do that anymore. I mean, if I'm going to be in a relationship, I want to hang out and, like, watch Peaky Blinders. I don't know. Jaws. I don't know. I want to watch movies. Um. Anyways, so my solution is I'm moving across the country to Florida, and I'm taking the dog with me, and he's not taking it well. Um. He's like, how could you do this? I thought we were okay. Like, He's not your dog, but blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I just want to know your advice on how to handle a situation. Like, essentially, it's my dog. He's my dog. He lives with me. I feed him. I buy all of his food. I buy all of his shots. I take him to his vet appointments. I buy his heartworm medications. I do everything for this dog. Um, My ex picks him up four days a week. Four days a week for like five hours. And then he drops him back off at home. He's not a crazy type of individual. But like, I just want to know, what would you do in this situation if you partially share a dog with your ex? And you're moving across the country and the dog is yours and you want him. And your ex has the key code to get into your house to get the dog and then whatever. Like just... Please advise. Please advise on this situation. Thank you. Okay, I'm
1: like impressionable and stupid in relationships a lot of times myself, but you need to get a grip. I'm very sorry, but like I don't even understand you having to beg him for a dog and then I think you feel like he bought you this dog and he's using it above you. Like for some reason that's the reason why you feel like you need to still give him the dog and the fact that you guys are broken up. Um, and that he still has this sort of influence and control on your life is really um, scary to me. That's actually it makes me it makes me sad and, and a little bit scared for you because I've been in situations like that when I've actually been in the relationship, but like there's no controlling me once the relationship is over. Um, I, I uh, uh, yeah. Well, go well so
2: let's let's just let's talk for a sec. So mm-hmm. you had a couple mentions of suicide in your call. Now that there's a chance that that those were just playfully hyperbolic. I have said very similar things about my own dog that I would jump in front of a bus for her. I love her. She's my princess. I gave birth to her, blah, blah, blah. But I hope that's not actually true. I think that this isn't really about the ex and the dog. I think you need to work on yourself. And I think you need to get into therapy. And you need to specifically practice cognitive behavioral therapy, which teaches you how to deal – with the looping thoughts and the anxiety that you seem to be dealing with right now. Well, you're doing something where you're moving across the country, which I don't know enough about your life. That could be good, could be bad. I don't know if you're running away from your problems or you really are trying to get a fresh start. But you need – I think right now you are pushing a lot of this stuff externally on your ex and on your dog who sounds lovely. But I think it's – this is – a welcome time to work on yourself. And I think that you shouldn't call your ex anymore. You should limit contact. You should send him an email telling him in an email exactly what you told us very, very concisely. And then what you do is you send him links to a bunch of other rescue Mm -hmm. dogs without borders, places that he can find his own dog because it's your dog and you take care of the dog. And then you leave it at that. And if it means limiting contact with him, if it means him stopping... You know, if you feel threatened by him stealing your dog or otherwise, maybe it's time to not have him have custody of the dog anymore. You need to learn how to set boundaries for yourself with not only your ex, but with yourself.
1: And so additionally, your ages really freak me out when I when you guys first when you first told me that, you know, this when I first was hearing this situation, I was like, oh, they sound like in their early 20s or something like very sloppy early 20s relationship sort of thing. Um, it really scares me that he is 40 years old and dealing with substance abuse issues and you're so afraid of him that you actually are worried about him having a code to your house. Um, I, that can be changed, first of all. You can change the code. If the if there is a, a keypad, the code can be changed, just FYI. So you should probably do that. Um, but I something jumped out. Okay, so I hired this guy to build some bookshelves for me at the house, Okay. And I gave him like 600 bucks. I went, met him at Home Depot. I bought the materials for him. And he did about 50% of the job. And um, then I didn't hear from him for a few days. So I reached out and I said to him, when are you going to come and finish the bookshelves? And he was like, oh, I'm going through this thing. I'm like, actually, I'm moving out. My girlfriend's like crazy. I got to move out. Anyway, cut to two weeks later. He finally shows up yesterday. He's doing some of the work that I had hired him to do. And you know, he's asking me for some more money and I kinda of told him, like, I'm sorry. I understand now that you you know, you probably wish you had charged me more, but the reality of it is I've been patiently waiting for you to finish this job for two weeks. So like not only is there any more money happening, I'm kind of insulted you'd even ask. And he is like Oh, he's like, I'm in mean, this whole thing with my ex. So like she, I had to pepper spray her the other day. What? And I was like, what are you saying to me? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, she's just like out of control. Like it was so bad that when the cop showed up, like she oh, didn't Jesus. even complain that I pepper sprayed her. And I'm like, wait a minute. What's going? And and my friend was there listening to this whole thing with me. So I know it happened Um, because it was one of those things where I was like, did this even Occur and essentially, like what he explained to us was that he has these two pit bull puppies with his ex girlfriend. He's twenty eight, she's twenty two. Um, oh. Apparently, when she goes to when he goes to work um, or goes to leave the house to work, she stands in front of the door or she'll like grip onto the side of the flatbed of his truck, like really like abusive, psychotic games between the two of them. Sure. And he said, you know, I still have to like deal with her though because she wants to see the dogs and I said no you buy her her own dog or you tell her to go get her own dog like The dog is just another way for her to continue to manipulate you from the side and that's exactly what this sounds like it's like Um, you know it's not like this guy is so obsessed with the dog that he's fighting for full time custody of it it's just you know he has probably one of those workplaces where you can bring a dog and for you it's been easier because I don't know you want to start wine drinking at noon or something I don't know what it is but for some reason it seems like this arrangement has somewhat benefited you at some point to maybe not have to take the dog out during the day to not have that responsibility and so you set up this. Really sloppy, like house of cards between the two of you, where Everything is reliant on emotion and like uh you know partial laziness or lack of responsibility, willingness to take ownership of the situation or responsibility. Everything that you've told me about this guy tells me that you should never speak to him again. Like this is the type of person that you probably shouldn't even be talking to, let alone having him come in and out of your house four days a week, spending all this time with your dog. It is really scary. It's really, really scary. And this should be a wake-up call to you about more than just a dog. It's about how hairy situations can get. when you ignore um what's wrong. And it, it bums me out that even just uh I guess it, it sounds like maybe like a year and a half ago or something, you were in such a position in your life that you were really, really down and had to ask someone else to buy you a dog. Like this I, I'm just worried about you. And you
2: know, sometimes it's easy to not easy, but the the kind of specifics of your problem, it's easy to dwell on specifics because yes. once you once the problem goes away, then you have to deal with what's really making you unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a really um, good excuse. Um, I had a, a bout of anxiety a couple of years ago and it ended up being a really good excuse for me to get a really, really good therapist. And I got into like meditating, which I never thought I'd do. And you, you have an opportunity to really cut the bad out of your life and, and start fresh.
1: Absolutely. That's really, really good advice. Like the chaos is always symptomatic of a bigger, larger problem for sure. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I think that I think that you'd need to just, you know, like Rachel said, write that email. I would change the code. I would take the precautions necessary in your life. I would tell someone you care about that. This is how you're handling things. Um, Yeah. Be vocal about that sort of stuff and really just start protecting yourself. Don't be sloppy with this. Be start to get really streamlined and serious because these are situations that can quickly escalate. And just like woman to woman, I always worry about I always worry about the chick in a scenario like this just by simple nature of the fact that I know like any man, especially like a drunk, angry man could overpower me and hurt me like that really freaks Mm -hmm. me out. So I'm worried about your safety and I think that you need to take it seriously, especially if this man deals with a lot of substance abuse issues. Um, That's it just escalates everything, especially the especially the manipulative abusive behavior. For sure. I've I've lived that firsthand and it's really scary. So, um, yeah, girl. Um, thanks for calling. And I really definitely want an update on this for sure. We're going to either follow up with a phone call with you, or um, please just call us back and let us know how you handled the situation. But I would love to have a one-on-one phone call with you for another episode of the show. 323-450-7408. Let's take our next call.
5: Hey, my name is Jennifer. I am 27 and I live in Ohio right now. Um, so I'm actually calling on behalf of my mom, or really also for me on how to help her. Um, My mom is back home where I'm from, um, so we are thousands of miles away, so I feel really guilty that I'm not there anymore. Uh, A year and a half ago, I moved to Ohio for a job from Nebraska, Um, and my dad died five years ago this month, so I feel really guilty that she's been alone, and I lived with her for a few years um, after he died to try to help her adjust, and so, Uh, It was really hard to leave just because I I love her so much and I felt guilty. Um, But it's been a good growth experience for me. But my question is about her um, issue that she's having at work. Um, She's a salesperson. She's on her feet all day. She does a great job with it, likes working with the customers. Um, But sometimes the other people in her department are really mean to her. Um, And she called me crying this weekend, and I haven't heard her cry this much since my dad died, actually. And so it really was alarming for me. Um, This woman told her to shut up multiple times and then told her that she is just full of herself and said awful things because a customer requested to work with my mom. And this customer was somebody who was friends of our family. Um, They overheard this. Um, And sorry, this is such a long question, but um, my mom reported it to the management just because she was so shaken up and upset. Um, And she went back to work today, and it turns out this other woman turned it around on my mom and tried to blame my mom and made up a customer that wasn't there and said that, oh, this customer overheard um, this lady talking poorly about her, and and she was uncomfortable, Um, and my mom never says anything bad about anybody. And there were no other customers other than the family friend of ours. And so um, my mom's just very upset. I'm upset, and there's nothing I can do because I'm over here, and I can't really control the situation, I guess. Do you have any advice for my mom for what she should do in a situation like that? Um, also, this place never helps my mom have any lunch breaks. She has to take her lunch um, from 9.30 a.m. to 10 a.m., um, and then she's on her feet all day. Um, I, I just want to help my mom have a better experience, and I feel guilty because I'm not around. Um, I, I just wish there was some way I could help her. Um, thanks. Love the show, as always. Uh, thank you. Bye.
1: This makes me really sad.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing I'd say is how high up did this – that she should schedule a meeting with this woman, the head of human resources, and the highest boss she can and really hash it out. Um, Because, you know, a series of emails and this woman lying. You need to get everyone in a room together. And she really is being harassed at work. And that's a serious thing. And and, and human resources is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And human resources is there for a problem like this.
1: Isn't it strange, though, how or unfortunate, I should say that, like, as an employee, you're told to go to HR, but a lot of times that can just blow right back in your face, like for actually going and reporting something, it blows up in your face. I mean, sure, maybe you won't be um, legally or like you won't be legally punished for it in any way, but like you will wind up being socially punished for it.
2: Well, I, I, this woman sounds this this woman who's mean to her sounds like a noxious bitch. So I can't imagine Horrible. she'd be popular at, at work. I mean, the other option is: does your mom have the clout to start looking for a new job? Yeah, if you said she's a really good saleswoman. She sounds very qualified. Um, you know, find somewhere else. Is that an option?
1: I kind of went to a weird place with this, which might not be uh, appropriate, but I kind of went to this place of thinking: like, I would like to maybe see your mom fill out her life a little bit more so that work doesn't have such an important emphasis on it. I mean, it sounds like she experienced a massive loss and you were living Mm. across the country Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, hopefully she has good friends, but I think that, you know, a lot of us don't really take into account. Um, sometimes our parents don't have friends. My mom's a very social person, but a lot of my friends' parents don't actually really have friends outside of their life partner, or whatever family member they're closest to. So, um, I don't know if your mom's in a position to be doing something like this, but maybe it's time that she consider, like, opening up her life to some more stuff, maybe some dating, maybe some more social groups, maybe more friends, just to work on her general happiness so that something like this won't affect her so much. Obviously, it sounds like this woman is crazy, um, but the reality of it is is that there's one in every workplace, and it's really, really hard. There's always going to be one in every workplace, and who knows? Like, as unfortunate as it sounds, maybe maybe her mom's the one, you know what I mean? Maybe people do like this other woman and her mom is the one that's getting picked on at work because for some reason or another, maybe this other woman that, that made your mom cry is uh, more popular or something. And so when she goes ahead and goes to um, the management and, and spins this yarn about your mom, that's like completely unfounded. It's not based in reality. It's not based in any sort of real situation. um, And they believe her that really, that makes me question um, the credit. Like it makes me question how people look at this woman that your mom is in a fight with, you know maybe yeah. they, maybe they're giving her more credit because she has a longer history with the company, maybe your mom has had some sort of incident where all of a sudden they would believe as unfair as it is they would believe that maybe your mom did something inappropriate like that um we don't i don't know about that, but I do know that whenever something like work, which is a necessary evil um and if your mom isn't in a position right now to find a new job. When you have to do something like work, the only other way to balance it out is to infuse your life with other stuff so that work doesn't matter so much. Um, And uh, I don't I think that that's like also a temporary solution. um, But I don't know how much longer your mom's going to be in the workforce either. You know what I mean? How old is your mom? When is she planning on retiring? What does her retirement look like? Um, also I've just realized you're so, you were so young when you lost your dad. And I know that that brings a family very, very close together, especially a mother and daughter. My mom and I are like so close that we're like not even close anymore. (laughs) Like we're so close. And, um, one thing that I've always been very grateful for about my mom though, is, um, sometimes to a fault, she can, she doesn't burden me with, with family stuff. She knows that I'm out here working hard and doing my thing that I can't really help her and she doesn't want to leave me with those feelings of just feeling like helpless like I can't do anything and um it sounds like you know your mom is unwittingly making you feel very helpless about how to help her and what her situation is and you know that maybe says to me that like you guys are also just dealing with a lot of um just the stuff that comes up when loss and grief is in the picture, um, which is like, you know, maybe a little bit un- un- unnaturally um, close and unhealthy. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever had your parents come to you with something that feels like such an adult situation that's like kind of like stopped your world for a little bit? Yeah. I mean, my dad
2: is uh, my dad is diabetes and he was very, very sick um, with a it was basically a bone spur last year. And here's the thing is like, they're your parents. So I I tried to lecture my dad on diet and stuff and he just kind of like write me off because I'm his daughter. So there's only so much really that I can advise my own parents, which is why it just seems like going back to the source of it and her speaking to a boss at work and really pursuing, trying to pursue this through the proper channels seems like the right, there's really nothing you can do. And you already lived with her for a few years after your dad died. You... You did what you could.
5: Absolutely. And so you're
2: not responsible for your mother's happiness. She's the parent. You're the child. You're not, I, you know, there's, family is family. But if she's unhappy, it's not your fault.
1: I Yeah, I have to throw this out there. This is like a little bit of a personal anecdote. But my mom is in the process of getting a divorce from my stepdad, who's like the only dad I've ever had. And I love him so much. And um, my mom and stepdad only got married when I was like, they got married when I was 20. So I was already out of the house. It didn't really affect me in, in um a huge sense that I had this new family all of a sudden. But um, she called me when she was going through some rough, a rough patch with him about a year and a half ago. Um, and she was so upset and I could hear how upset she was. And it just, it started to make me really upset. And at a certain point she just was like belligerent. She was just like repeating herself and so angry. And like in this, like in one of those spaces where someone's just like belligerently angry and upset and I had to pull my car over to throw up like it made me so upset that I pulled my car over and threw up like uh, right by uh, El Diablo or whatever that restaurant is in um, Silver Lake. And um, after that, I after it had that sort of physical effect on me, I realized that for my own health, for my own mental health, I really had to back away from engaging my mom in conversations like that, which is, again, not what I'm, I mean, I'm this is not an exact scenario, but. Not even, I'm not kidding you within like seven months time of me deciding that I couldn't engage my mom on a certain level about her unhappiness in her marriage or anything else she decided to get a divorce and now she is in such a better place she and my stepdad had the best relationship they've had in like five years because now they've decided like we're in a marriage isn't right for us but we're going to be best friends and like it's true i'm going home for the first thanksgiving in 10 years that i've lived in la because i finally feel like i want to be there because everyone's really clear on what their deal is and what the situation is and um it really like it it made me feel like an awful person like i like i struggled with it like i was like i'm turning my back on my mom when she needs me the most but I realized like in doing that I was also kind of giving myself an opportunity and and in in that it gave her the opportunity where she didn't have someone to bitch to that was going to like support this sort of negative space she was in and it forced her to make a decision in her life which I'm not going to say that that's exactly what's going to happen here but I found that stepping away and not allowing us to be codependent was very, very, very important for both of us. Cause I'm in a way better position with her and my family and my mental attitude towards my family. And she is finally making decisions for herself that are really affecting her life positively. Um, so I don't know if that anything about that speaks to you, but that's like, I know what it's like to have a mom that you just feel so bound to. And I, um, especially when you've gone through, like, some sort of loss or trauma like that together. It's just, it's, like, there's no feeling, and no one can understand that feeling. So, um, yeah, I feel for you, girl, and please update us and let us know um, what your mom end up doing. Um, You sound like a really strong, awesome person and, like, such a good daughter. Like, I hope you know that no no one, I don't think we've ever had anyone else call our show about their mom before and say, like, how can I help my mom? We get a lot of, like, how can I help my friend? How can I tell someone they're wrong? We very rarely get... People saying, like, I want to help my mom because I love her so much. So you're awesome, and thank you for calling and sharing with us. You're really great, and hope everything goes well. Next call. Hey,
2: malls. It's Riley, longtime listener, first-time caller. So
0: I'm 23. I live in San Diego right now, um, but
2: I'm moving to Michigan. So that's where my question lies. I
1: was wondering, how do I thrive and survive in such a cold temperature? I, I was born and raised in California, so I'm not ready for the cold. What do I do to get ready? Also, any helpful tips and hints about moving across country? Because, you know, I'm scared as hell. That would help, too. Thanks.
2: Love you. Bye. Rachel here. I was mm-hmm. born and raised in California and then moved to New York. And I found, I wasn't dreading the cold like you are, but I found that really embracing the difference of being in snow and the seasons, it, that's, it really put a positive spin on everything. Instead of being like, oh, it's so cold, I wish I were home. It's like, oh my gosh, this, this whole new experience that I'm having. There's snow and the leaves are changing and I get to wear
1: scarves,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. You don't get to wear a scarf in San Diego that mm-hmm. much. And so just embracing the cold and embracing the differences of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And oh, I just as a girl who grew up on the East Coast, let me tell you this. Those like cropped like North faces do nothing for you. You need a jacket that covers your butt. You got to have your ass covered. That is go on eBay right now. It's summertime. You can probably still get a good deal go get a North Face that covered that goes down to your knees. Oh, it's, I
2: had one that went down to my ankles and it saved me.
1: it really great. does because the the bite is real. Like it is cold. I my blood has thinned out so significantly <laughs> and I just remember being a kid and when I first found out that there was a place in this country that like where it was warm all the time or yeah. even in the world, I felt so betrayed. Like my mom <laughs> looks, at, looks at me or will tell me that I looked at her when I found out that there was a place in this country that it was like summer all year long. Um, she's like, the way that you looked at me was like I had just spent my, your entire life like being betrayed. And I was like, that's exactly how I felt. That's I couldn't funny. believe
2: I was freezing. My dad grew up in Boston mm-hmm. and he had the same thing and that's why he lived out here. But, but here's the thing is you don't actually have to spend a ton of time outside. Um, when you live in a cold place, especially like Michigan, so much is built to protect people from winter. Yes. So it's actually not sure it's cold when you go outside, but there's so much to do indoors. There's something really fun to like cozing out. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you've really earned that hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're out in the cold for five minutes, you're like, I deserve this soup. Um, and the way to also transition to moving cross country is find like-minded people
1: yes absolutely absolutely i think that you're like on a fun adventure i have no idea what michigan's like but i know they have great people there there's like five or six states that i love everyone i meet from there and michigan is one of them uh i Ohio's would say get there too. get
0: clothing you can layer because mm-hmm. layers are very important mm, invest absolutely. in some long johns yeah we'll keep you warm in case you can't find a coat that doesn't cover your butt.
2: And just have like a cozy blanket around the
1: house. Just just like when you're having you time. Yeah, be very snuggly for sure. And it, I,
2: I miss the snuggles. I have to say I miss – I I slightly prefer – well, I'm very half and half on New York and L.A. But like I do miss the like cozying up in front of a fire because it's cold outside. I, I
1: love that. It is. It has – it's – it, it, even though you, no matter how long you live there it always has a novelty to it for sure truth is is that really it is all about the layers and one thing about the layers is that you shouldn't buy the clothes here because they no. don't even make clothes oh, here yeah, they yeah. don't even
2: get it don't yeah yeah no like there's Go this shirt at there. the gap
1: called the warmest shirt and it's like it's not warm yeah. like it's I, I, I bought three of them thinking like oh, I'll just layer these at home I had all three on and I was still freezing They they, they don't even invent layers here warm enough for that so really shop online for that sort of stuff or shop when you're there don't be afraid to be utilitarian by the way because like you're in the elements right now like it's not about looking cute it's about really having you can look cute but it really it comes down to like at the end of the day does your does your jacket have a buckle on it like does it have (laughs) Uh are there enough pockets like for for the size of your mittens like are your gloves texting gloves? Oh, they're, like, yeah,
2: I was going to say, gloves that you can text with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lifesavers. Oh, my God. I always have, like, one hand freezing when, oh, I'm, when I'm home. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm really excited for you. What? I wonder what part of Michigan. I hope you're moving to Flint and buying a house for $13. That would be cool.
2: I'm assuming she's moving to Ann Arbor and she's doing something with you mish i like oh, the okay.
0: narratives that
1: you both have given. I know, yeah. <laughs> that, like life stories for her i'm like oh, i'm she's excited kidding. for Where all knows? the soup she's gonna eat <laughs> mm. Mm. you should go say hi to my old roommate sarah i loved her she lives in uh, grand rapids a great city too i i think she's probably not gonna do that no but maybe you could sarah lives she's yeah. the nicest girl in the whole world right. she works in public health now okay um we have some questions about america for you great from our table topics okay. uh collection now, is this are- like trivia uh, no they're just like questions these are questions for people that don't know each other for like dinner parties oh, great. Okay. and I have three of them one's a sex and dating one's a regular one and this one's all about Americana hilarious. Um, and these questions are pretty hilarious because they're a little bit out of date right. um, this one is if you were the st- if you were his stylist what would you do with the Donald's hair oh god they didn't even That's know he'd so be running so funny I know
2: <laughs> I would I don't know man I'd just I'd have him just
1: I would I convince know. him it's more important than running for president.
2: I huh. would say... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what... he. He assume he just has bad hair plugs, right?
1: I think... No, actually, I've heard it's like all real and it's mostly just long on one side and it's kind of like a cotton candy... I would cut it. I'd <laughs> yeah. cut it and just make it normal. Absolutely. I would just save him bald. I think he would actually look better bald. Yeah. I think he could actually rock that. Yeah. He's not an ugly man. No. Just on the ah, inside. Yeah. On the inside, he's... Well, I mean... I, I would mean, never let him. I There are few people. There are a few
2: people in this world that I want to fuck less than Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's okay. Like I Emotionally.
2: have a physical,
0: like gag reaction when I try to think about it.
2: Like literally picturing him have
1: sex. It's troubling. Well, you know his insides. That also really helps. Like if he was also your friend... also he fucking raped his ex wife. Right. There's that. Yes. There's that. He's raped
2: people. Why are we
1: not talking about that? By the way, it brings me back to like your first thing about women needing to smile more. It's almost like a trait thought at this point. But like out of everything that you can say about Donald Trump, it always comes back down to the fact that people don't like Hillary's voice or they don't think she smiles enough. She's like grumpy. That really bums oh, me yeah. out. Yeah.
2: Because Donald Trump is
1: yeah. In what presidential election did you first vote? Uh, uh, it was Obama. Mm-hmm, really? I voted in the tw- 2008. You're a youngin', right? You're a little uh, bit younger than me, I'm I am 29. Wow, that's very cool. You have done so much with your life. I'm very impressed by oh, you. Oh, you just missed the John Kerry one. Though. That, that was the one that I voted in. Yes, I just missed. That was 2004. Yeah. Yep. There was one when I was 18. I think it was Bush Gore. That was when I b- voted for Al Gore. Uh, is graffiti art... Yeah, I think so too. Have you owned a Chevy truck? What Those questions? No. <laughs> what? Which cartoons did you watch when you were a kid?
2: Oh my god, all of the Disney afternoon lineup. So we're talking Goof Troop, Bonkers, um, Darkwing Duck. I, you know, I always turned off Darkwing Duck, but but uh, Ducktales. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my god, we're talking Rugrats, Doug. Later on, a little bit of recess. There's Angry Beavers. There's Rocco's Modern Life. There's mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy. Uh, Ren and Stimpy is my jam. Ren, there's Ren and Stimpy. There's, uh, uh, I, was, I was on the cusp of not being a child, but I still liked it. I have fairly odd parents. Um, Pepper Ann? Pepper Ann, yes. Yes. Um, uh, Pepper. And then I watched the classics. The Hanna-Barberas. The George of mm-hmm. the Jungles. The Dudley Do-Rights. Flintstones. I Jetsons. I really into Wacky Racers. Wacky Racers. I never watched that one. <laughs> it was good. I was, like,
0: attracted to one. It was, like, all the, vil- all the villains from the Hanna-Barbera, like, cartoons. Oh, funny. And they would, like, drag race each other. Oh, in I've seen. Of- yeah. It was,
2: like, a little segment
0: almost,
4: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes.
1: Absolutely. Ooh. Garfield was my jam, too. This is a good one for you, I think. Which historic Broadway show would you love to see? That's easy for me.
2: Hmm. Oh, I think My Fair Lady would have been delightful. It's a good pick. What's yours?
0: West Side Story, the original cast. Oh, yeah.
1: 1950. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The best play I've ever seen besides the one we went to see in the Heights was um, uh, Broadway. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The Bodyguard Musical in London was the best mm-hmm. thing I've ever seen. Wow. And the girl who plays Whitney Houston's character. She is like their version of Kelly Clarkson. Like she's Prince William's favorite singer. Wow. Uh, it was like, it, she shut the house down. It was wow. absolutely incredible. Actually, I
0: might change mine to Evita with Patti Lapone and Manny Batinkin.
1: Well, I'm also trying to think what can you actually not watch?
2: And I feel like yeah. that might be on video. I'm trying to think of things that like. Are too old. Are too old to be. It's still classic. Yeah. Yeah. Can or I- Bye Bye Birdie with Dick Van
0: Dyke. Because the Broadway one is different
1: than the... Sure. Uh Uh-huh. I have a question for you about your show. Um, Are all of the writers, they have some sort of musical background or influence? Or how do you write a a musical show if you personally do not have a musical background? No, the
2: music is done pretty separately from the TV
1: show. Okay. Yeah.
2: It's... uh, There are really only three writers on staff. Me, Jack, and then Adam, who's just our executive music producer, who write the songs. Occasionally other writers come in. Mm Mm-hmm. But we, we write it... Like a TV show, and then kind of find emotional places for songs. Okay, and and then the songwriting is separate.
1: That is so cool. I've wondered how you've been doing, how you've done that for a while. That's very very cool. Uh, two more questions. Um, what modern actress is most like Marilyn Monroe? Well, I have a beef
2: with the whole Marilyn Monroe fetish thing because. I, the way that we worship her sadness and worship her depression and, mm-hmm. and, and fetishize her, I think she was irresponsible. She was late to set. She didn't learn her lines and she was in, an incredibly ha- unhappy person. Mm-hmm. So honestly, Lindsay Lohan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also her willingness to try early plastic surgery always kind of blows oh, my mind uh-huh. about Marilyn Monroe. Like, who rolls the dice on that? I'm afraid to get LASIK. Um, uh, it's, yeah, truly crazy. Yeah. How has the American dream changed Uh, Well, the middle class has disappeared. So I think that the American dream
2: now realistically has to be either vote to reform the government so that we have a middle fucking class again or be a millionaire. I mean, there's no, you know, it's, I don't know. You can still, I think that privilege, privilege has always played a part, but privilege plays an even uh, bigger part. And uh, so I think the American dream is, you know, to anyone can achieve their goals, but also how can we as a society help to reform our broken system?
1: Absolutely. I think it's, um, very different climate now too, because I feel that, um, the idea of the old, you know, the old school idea of the American dream of like building something out of nothing. I think, um, millennials are almost forced to do that now whether they want to or not I've mm-hmm. um, really been like exploring that idea in the show that I'm writing where I have these 220 something kids like starting a life out of absolutely nothing and um, I think uh, I, I, one thing I kept thinking about the whole time I was writing it was like it's scary how much I relate to this like coming here with absolutely coming to LA with absolutely nothing like not knowing anyone I don't have family or I didn't have a connection or anything here um, and I feel like that's what kids do have to do now kind of like there's Mm -hmm. not really the same old system of you have the option like you can go chase the American dream or you can work for your dad's company or you can do whatever I mean those things don't really exist to me as much anymore it feels like more kids are if you want to be like, you know, super successful and part of that upper class as opposed to the lower class, you have to go out and invent. Um, and that mm. didn't always really exist. One last question, because I just found it and I think it's a good one. Who do you know personally... Oh, sorry. Who do you personally know that would make a good protagonist in an Ernest Hemingway story? Isn't that a an insult? Complicated man or woman. Complicated individual. Oh. I mean, I'm not... You don't have to name I'm names. not going to give... Their name, but there's someone. Uh-huh. And what what would you say some of the traits are of that person? Are they an entertainment? Yes. Is it me? N-
2: n- no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this person is kind of always searching for the thing they can't have. Uh, drinks a lot. Um, is... has very kind of warring sides of themselves. I mean, when I think of like Ernest Hemingway's story, it's so like from a male point mm-hmm. of view. Like it's, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to think of like who's a borderline alcoholic that can never seem to find love and women seem kind of elusive to them, yet they also have a grasp of it.
1: Go through my Instagram. They're all in there. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. It's been such a thrill to have you Everyone needs to watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend because it's fabulous, but also just because I I find your story to just be so inspiring and cool. Like, I really like, I'm just like blown away by you, honestly. And I very rarely mean that when I say it to people. So uh, thank Thank you you so much for being here. And uh, yeah, you're awesome. I really, really appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, next week. See ya.